we were accepting in like white evangelical reformed mm-hmm. type spaces but you know uh early on before 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 that it was the it was just you know running your notch count up your body count her coming from being a stud were there consequences that then followed you guys in that you had to unpack later and so i i, I just will warn people i mean the world is going to be the world i'm going to expect the world to be the world i'm mm-hmm. going to try to reach people in the world but particularly for the church, I will just warn men in the church. Bruce Lawn. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a incredible podcast for you guys today with an incredible uh guest who i've been aware of for a long time and i've never said this to you privately but uh you kind of gave me the start with talking more about my faith on youtube in the very first conversation we did wow that's crazy preston perry ladies and gentlemen what's up with y'all what's up with y'all man that's crazy that's an honor bro do you remember that conversation yeah it was uh i had an event out in la and you came to my hotel room and yep it was uh, Legacy LA. Yeah. I think you spoke at it. I rapped at it. Yeah. And and you were tired. Yeah. And you still did the interview. Yeah. In your hotel. And that was the first time I kind of dabbled into being more overt with my faith on YouTube. Oh, wow. That's dope. And that was the first interview that kind of popped for me in, that, in, in the space, in like the Christian YouTube space. Wow, that's dope. Before that, it was just kind of like music and marketing and yeah, trying yeah. to be like that. I remember so the interview. Dope. It was a dope interview. Yeah, man. So thank you. Man, no, thank you for having me, bro. Because that kind of kind of set the trajectory for everything I'm doing now. That's dope. God is good. Yeah. And I was like, not even 10,000 subscribers, like maybe 10,000 subscribers. Wow. <laughs> like that was like early. I know you way past that now. Where you at now? Uh, 375. Woo! Yeah, 375. So trying to get to the- Look at God. To the M. You know, trying to get mm-hmm. to the M, man. Um, Preston Perry. Thank you, man. Thank amazing you. poet. Thanks, bro. Speaker. Thanks, bro. Apologist. And and soon to be author. Soon to be author and father and, and husband. Excuse me. Okay. And father, amazing father, amazing husband. Thank you, brother. Thank and soon to be author. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, I, I'm 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 so excited, man. I I just finished my book probably literally two days ago. Mm. Can you lower your mic just a smidge? Yeah, for yeah, me? Lord, Lord. There we go. I just finished it like two days ago. Are we straight. Yeah, yeah, you're perfect. And uh, bro, it was one of the most. Uh, the best feeling in the world. I got like literally. I didn't. I didn't even know how much tension was in my body. Mm. Uh, I didn't realize it. But when I handed that manuscript, it was like an hour went past, and I was just like, "Wow, why do I feel different?" And so, just trying to get this book finished has been, you know, just oh my gosh, it's been a, it's been an experience. But can you give us a tease on what was it? What it's about? Yeah. So the book. Uh, so this is actually the first time I'm ever 
Well, thank you. Exclusive, yeah, baby. Exclusive. I like it. Nobody knows the, the 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 title of my book, or you know, um, but the book is called um, "How to Tell the Truth." Mm. Uh, it's co- the whole the whole title is "How to Tell the Truth: The Story of How God Saved Me to Win Hearts, Not Just Arguments." Mm. Uh, and so, it's in a book about evangelism, apologetics, um, engaging with the world around you. Mm. Um, I feel like the the world, especially in the Western world, we we need, we need to learn how to do that better. Mm. Um, but uh, but it's also told through the lens of my story. Mm. And so I wanted to write a book that was theological in nature, mm-hmm. teaching people how to engage with different worldviews, different faith backgrounds. But I also wanted to write a book that was um, highly story-driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can, so like my poetic side can shine. Mm. So uh, for me, I've always wanted to read a book where you you have stories and um uh, creative language and beautiful imagery, but at the same time learning theology. Mm. And so I, I, you know, I wanted to try to create that. Mm. So that's amazing, bro. Yeah, yeah. I, I love how it's a felt need. Yeah, yeah. That, that, that you're actually solving a problem that yeah. a lot of people are struggling with in terms of sharing their faith, but in a way that wins hearts and not wins arguments. Yeah, that's dope. beautiful, bro. Thank you, brother. Do you know I, I I'm um. I have no idea how all of it works, but like timeline, when can people expect it? So the the goal is for the for the book to be out at the end of August next year. Okay, yeah, it's about a year out yep. type situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so they want to, you know, put it in, got to put it into print, and do mm-hmm. all this stuff, and then promo for the book and all of that. And so I'll start promo and it probably heavy like springtime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'd be like at the end of August, going into like fall. Yeah, that's amazing, man. Yeah, man. So. I first discovered you through spoken word poetry. Yeah. But you have a whole journey and testimony before that that I've never really sat with in yeah. terms of Southside Chicago. Yeah. Um, growing up in what sounds like a, a not a very evangelical Christian environment. No. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about your background for folks who may not be familiar. Yeah. So I grew up in a uh, single parent home, you know, uh, my mom raised me and my my three other siblings and i was i wasn't churched at all i didn't i didn't grow up in church mm. i mean the you know the only time i would go to church was like easter and christmas mm-hmm. and stuff like that like big 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 holidays mm-hmm. and um and so my mom man she did her, her best to raise me and my brothers and sisters but the only uh, and and she did her best to try to bring us around church culture mm-hmm. at times and so i was familiar with it but i definitely didn't grow up immersed inside of any particular church mm-hmm. or you know, um, and the only one uh, that I had, like the only solid like Christian I had in my life was my grandmother. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, man, I grew up in the streets. I, I grew up, you know, uh, selling drugs, mm. fighting, mm. you know, uh, sleeping with, with every woman. I, you know, I felt like it. Uh, I got kicked out of four high schools. I mm. uh, was arrested countless times. Jeez. You know, just yeah, growing up like, you know, like the average dude in the urban community, I mm. guess. Um, and when I was around 16 years old, I heard the gospel for the first time in a house church. My mom had took me from Chicago to Atlanta, Georgia, because she was like, you're not going to graduate in Chicago. And um, I heard the gospel for the first time in this house church. I was actually trying to uh, holler at this girl. Her her parents were ministers. Oh, wow. And he had this little house It's always church. a girl, man. Yeah. <laughs> and he had this little house church in her living room. And that was the first time I heard that, like, God had beef with my lifestyle. I was mm. 16 years old. And uh, the dude got up and was like, yeah, if you think God won't 
destroy all evil, you don't know what you don't you don't know the God of love. Mm. If, you know, if God is love, he must destroy all evil. And I was mm. like, whoa. And so I didn't give my life to the Lord at that time, but you know, uh, I think that was the 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 day I, I became keenly aware of my sin. Mm. And so like I would I would like joke with my homeboys every time we were like breaking a car or something. I'm like, you know God watching us, you know we deserve ra- ra- like hell for this, right? Mm-hmm. You know? Um, that's a, that's a funny thing to joke about. <laughs> it is because, like you know, it, it, I, I I've learned that it's it's, it's jokes, uh, it's truth in every joke, oh, right? Yeah. And so, like I was, you know, I was I was like aware that that God was watching me. Uh, a couple of years later, um, when I was eighteen, a friend of mine got shot, mm. and uh, my mom and my sister was trying to revive him, and I just kind of felt like the Lord was like, I've been. Tr- I've been trying to get your attention. This in front of you? Yeah. Well, this he didn't get shot. Well, he got shot uh, down the street. I saw the last the last bullet he took. I witnessed. Oof. I, I, I pe- peeped out my window, and by the time I got there, he, my other friends was there carrying him to to, to uh, his car or whatever, and my mom came out. My mom's a nurse. She's an RN, and so she came out, you know, trying to revive him. And as we were trying to revive him, I felt like the Lord was like, this is you and your sin. Holy this, moly. This is you. You you, you know, you're dead in your sin. And this is in Atlanta at this point? This is in Atlanta. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah up on Wesley Chopper Road. And, um, yeah. And then, you know, from there, I was like, okay, I don't know how to become a Christian. Mm. Did, I, your, did your friend make it? No, he died. This, you know, which, which, which is, this is all in my book, too. Yeah. Uh, I wrote this, this story in my book. Yeah. Um, and I, I I give the full detail of the story of how I came to faith in my book. Yeah. Um, but he he ended up dying on the way to the hospital. And um, yeah, man, um I was like, I don't know how to become a Christian. Mm. But I, I know I need to get out of this environment. And I was like, I feel like the Lord, not I don't feel like the Lord, I, f- I felt like I should go back to Chicago. Looking back, I, I realized that it was the Lord. Mm like leading me back to Chicago. And I was like, Chicago's a crazy environment, but he particularly wanted me to go back to live with my aunt, who mm. was a minister who just loved me. Mm-hmm. So she lived like 20 minutes outside the city. So I wasn't in a crazy environment. I had three meals a day. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She enrolled me in a vocational college, but then she introduced me to this dude named Gary, who was an ex-game member uh, growing up, you know, and he took me under his wing, mm. discipled me, taught me how to read the Bible, uh, he was going to a school called Moody. Um, mm-hmm. What well, legacy used to be at? Yep, yep, yep. I'm he was on um, a seminary then, so like he just taught me how to read the Bible. Mm. He taught me how to. He the first person that introduced me to apologetics. Mm. I mean, he the first person that like he, took he, me. He discipled you. Discipled me. Wow. Yeah, taught me how to evangelize and all of that. And so like through his through his life, I gave my life to the Lord. Wow. Uh, and so he he the one that led me to Christ. And so that's kind of how I got here. You said through his life is how I got led to the Lord. I was reading. Um, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse uh, 11 and 12, it says, uh, make it your ambition to lead a quiet life and um, working with your own hands so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders mm-hmm. and so that you will not be dependent on anybody. That's good. That one verse, man, is so condensed. Yeah, like, make it your so a- ambition, redirecting this idea of ambition to lead a quiet life, minding your own business, working with your mm-hmm. own hands so that your daily life that's good. Perspective outside, That's real right? good. There's a verse in uh, Peter where he talks about even though the pagans don't like your faith, let your like character be something that they can't speak bad yeah. about. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So oftentimes it's 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 the daily life that you encounter, and the truth is important, but it's seeing the truth 
displayed. Absolutely, absolutely, man. And and, and God cares about, you know, that. Like, I love, because we talk about apologetics, but apologetics is, you know, derives from the Greek word apologia, which make it, make a defense for your faith. Mm-hmm. But people talk about that word all the time, but in First Peter, it, it's, it says something different. It says, you know, always be prepared to make a defense for anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Mm. And it goes on to say, yet do it with gentleness and respect. That's good. Having a good conscience so th- when those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Mm-hmm. And so, like, we see that, like, no, like, God cares about the way we live our lives more so, not, just as much as the things that That's we good. speak. Because I think a lot of times we think, oh, we got to speak truth, we got to speak truth. But if we speak truth... And our character is trash. Mm-hmm. We make the the God we talk about look like a liar, That's right? Good. Good. And so, like, what Gary did was he he just didn't preach at me. He lived for me. Mm-hmm. Like, he lived out loud. Mm-hmm. And he gave me an example to follow. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw how, he, you know, we would go to the hood and play basketball. And, you know, he would go there. And then afterwards, he would ask those cats to pray for him. And I'm like, these are hardened criminals. Mm-hmm. And we on the south side of Chicago in Washington Park. Mm-hmm. And you asking these GDs, these BDs, these vice lords mm-hmm. to pray with you. Mm-hmm. In a gen- genuine, authentic way, mm-hmm. and it just revolutionized the way I looked at ministry and church mm-hmm. and the body, body. And so, you know, Gary being in my life was just—it was just so mm-hmm. vital for me. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I look back, at, you know, in God's sovereignty, it's like, no, nah, that was all God's plan. Yeah. You know, because I, I don't think I would be here if it wasn't for, for Gary. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yeah, so at this point, are, you said you went to a vocational school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. what were you doing in terms of your trade and just like making Bro, ends so meet? My, so my aunt, I didn't know what I wanted to be in life. Yeah. Because uh, all through high school, I sold weed uh-huh. and stolen shoes, yeah. I was, I, you know? Yeah. And uh, I was selling crack for a little while, but I was like, I started seeing people go to jail for a long time. I was like, I'm yeah. too small to go to jail. Yeah. I'm too small to go to prison, for, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, bro, I, you know? And so when I gave my life to the Lord, uh, around the time, time I gave my life to the Lord, my aunt was like, I need you need to find a trade. And so she was like, there's a trade. These are all the trades that you can get. Pick one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, welding. I just picked something. Okay. And so I was learning how to be a welder for like two and a half. Let's what, go. Yeah, That's two awesome. years. And I learned a lot, but I didn't I didn't, I didn't, didn't graduate yeah. or whatever. I ended up doing poetry. Okay. After, shortly after I became a Christian. Yeah. Uh, people started affirming my gifts and then yeah. YouTube happened. And so I kind of just stepped away from it. Okay. So, um, yeah. In terms of your uh, content on YouTube starting taking off. Yep, yep. Okay, so yeah, I'm yeah, tracking yeah. correctly. Okay. Yeah. That's funny. The chat's laughing because they said you're too small to go to jail. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. For real. <laughs> I was like, bro, I, I never had the, the, those big dreams and aspirations of being like a big-time drug dealer. Yeah. I'd be hearing uh, my homie Thizzle, St. Louis rapper, Christian rapper, talk about his ex-testimony yeah. about how he moved major weight. And I was like, nah, yeah. that was never my testimony. Yeah. I used to sell. <laughs> I, used to, I was a petty drug dealer, right. and I used to sell boosted shoes. Right. Um, but other than that, it was like, nah, I'm too, I'm too, I'm too small to go to prison, bro. So <laughs> poetry came fairly early in the process, like yeah. like making a living from your art slash ministry. 
was fairly early in your Christian life. Well, I wouldn't say making a living. Okay. Well, making something. Making making something. Because I, I was getting paid like $80 mm-hmm. a show at times. And I'm mm-hmm. talking about this is out-of-town shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was driving from Chicago to Cleveland, Ohio, um, and I was grateful. You yeah. know what I'm saying? What this, year was this? This is around, I started doing poetry around 2008, 2009. Okay. Uh, it it kind of kicked off when I used to, when I got connected with a ministry called P4CM. Yep. Passion for Christ movement, and then you know I met my wife at the second their second um, lyricist lounge event um, back in uh, I think it was 2010, mm-hmm. and that's when me, the poet named Ezekiel, and my wife Jackie we mm-hmm. met at that same night. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is all the poets that night will perform the ones that were selected from around the country, mm-hmm. and the three best poems of the night, quote unquote will get selected going on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And those poems that went on YouTube typically went viral. And so my poem, Ezekiel's poem, and Jackie's poem were selected that night. Mm. And so, you know, that's when it blew up. And then we started to get invited, you know, to do a, events around mm-hmm. the country mm-hmm. with each other. And that's how mm-hmm. we became friends. Got it. You know, that's how I became friends with my wife. And so, yeah, early on, like, I, like it was clear that the Lord was like, you know, I don't want you to be a welder. I want yeah. you to be a communicator yeah. of the gospel. Yep. Yep. Um, but I wasn't making money. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't making. I wasn't making a living like that. That, mm-hmm. but I, you know, God was, God was allowing my gifts to make room for me for yeah. sure. You know, what's trippy about that is how early that was in YouTube. It was. That's that's early. Two thousand eight, two thousand nine, two thousand ten. That's still pretty like infancy. You yeah, know? yeah. And think about that. Yeah, I tell yeah. people now. I see all these cr- content creators. You know, like getting on YouTube or getting on in, uh, social media just to like like blow up and it was like no when we did it we actually just loved the gospel mm-hmm. and loved the art mm-hmm. um, and we didn't know that youtube would be you know what it is yeah. and you know uh, but we just we just loved doing it yeah and so when we had thirty thousand views in a week we was like whoa yeah for us that was like three hundred thousand views sure sure you know what i'm saying yeah. um and so it was it was it was big for us that's dope man um i remember those p4cm days i remember the um, big event they would do every year. Yeah, uh, what was that? I can't remember. It was rhetoric, rhetoric, rhetoric. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And all of all of that was like, man, that was such an interesting time. It was in in, in terms of everything. Like that was an interesting time in terms of Christian hip hop. Yeah, because Christian hip hop was exploding. That was an interesting time in 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 terms of YouTube. That was an interesting time in terms of Christian spoken word. Yeah, because I had never seen like Christian spoken word. I came from me and Belief were in the San Diego Slam team, yeah. right? So I was on the I was on the Slam team. He was just kind of in the scene. Oh, with I didn't me. know that. Yeah, so I was traveling doing Slam poetry. Oh wow! And uh, competing, you know, battling against like Rudy Francisco or Ant Black. These guys, uh, um, cold poets, cold poets, bro. And I could never beat Rudy Francisco in a Slam. I get like within like a third. He's won all, so many slams. Bro, the slam, the slams is just kind of a goofy idea in general because someone's judging poetry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're like yeah. you do a poem and they hold up a, a point. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, we, hindsight, but what was a trip was seeing y'all was totally different in terms yeah. of what poetry was because poetry, especially back then, was super social justice, uh, storytelling, and love poems. Like yeah, it was yeah. usually one of those three. Yeah. And you guys I was in the slam world too. Yeah, you got the stuff that I saw from from you guys because I, I I didn't see any of your slam stuff, but was they were like sermons. Yeah, they were like sermons packaged, you know, between four to eight minute long, and it almost 
Yeah, it was. It was. I had never seen anything like that before. Oh, dope, dope. I was yeah. like, yo, this is different. Like it's poetry, but it's it has its own spin on it. Yeah, man. Yeah, the spoken word early days was something else, bro. I tell people all the time, you know, we had a lot of recognition on YouTube, but I don't think the church even knew what to do with us mm-hmm. and our talent mm-hmm. at all. You know, I think for yeah, for the most part, it was like this is the church wants to. But, you know, we've seen Christian hip hop kind of grow. But we don't really understand this, and I tell people all the time, like we were like the we were the we were the ones that the events would invite to give like Trip Lee and Lecrae breathing room when they wanted to like mm. <laughs> throw a poet on the stage yeah, and let yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so we, we we were like that, and it wasn't until you know we was like let's start our own thing, and we started started to do our own events and started mm-hmm. to you know create our own little destiny in some mm-hmm. ways, and that's when it kind of took off. Was that Poets in Autumn? Yes, that was a behemoth. Yes. That was huge. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yo, y'all pulling bigger crowds than the rappers. Yeah, it was crazy. What was the peak? Do you remember like the peak size of those of those events? I think 20 we started 2015 and 2017 we started to realize, whoa. Yeah. I think cuz New York we did 3k <laughs> in New York and we was like 3k in New York and so then we started doing international and then, you know, um, Johannesburg, it was like 5,000 people. Yeah. There's Friend- a lot of mainstream rappers that can't pull 3,000 people in New York. Yeah, and granted, we, I mean, you know, a lot of these main, um, you know, to 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 their credit, uh, a lot of these main main uh, Christian rappers, they, they're just one of them. And I think, you know, for I was us, I was talking about secular rappers can't pull 3,000 people. Right, that's, cra- <laughs> that's, that's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I'm not, that's no shade on Christian rappers. Yeah. I'm talking about secular rappers. Yeah, that, they can't you know, pull 3,000 people. That's actually that's actually know? true. That's actually true. But for us, I think what we had working for us, we were a collective. I mean, me, Jackie, Ezekiel, Jeanette, and later on, you know, Joe Solomon and mm-hmm. Chris Webb joined us. I think we all had our individual stories, and I think people kind of watched us grow up. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't just the poetry, but I think people were connected to the stories. They were connected with how I, you know, where I came from. They were connected with, you know, um, Jeanette's journey with her husband. They was connected with me and Jackie's journey together. They was mm-hmm. connected with Jackie's individual story of mm-hmm. her coming out of homosexuality. And so I think people didn't just follow art, but they followed stories. That's good. And so I think, you know, but also, too, I think— God kind of used us to tell creative stories through poetry, which people related to. And I think mm. it was just super relatable, super, super encouraging for, especially for young Christians trying to find their voice mm-hmm. in the in the creative arts. And so a lot of people became poets yeah. through it. And so I'm, I'm just grateful for that. Yeah, it, it was definitely a moment that I was like, man, this is, this is insane. Yeah. This is cool. Do you think, um, do you think that the... Because you guys were kind of this bridge between what people would say is like the theologically sound folks, the mm. Calvinist Reformed, yeah. and like the rest of the part millennial, but also like the black and brown communities yeah. that didn't really fit in like John Piper's church, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so it became this really interesting bridge yeah. of these different communities yeah. coming together. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely think that, man. Like, I, I think... We were we were accepting in like white evangelical reformed mm-hmm. type spaces, but you know uh, early on before 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 that it was the it was just the spoken word community, mm-hmm. and this was predominantly African American church, mm-hmm. black church, but also um, it was a it was a large group of black Christians and black millennials mm-hmm. who who didn't really like CHH. Mm-hmm. 
you know uh <laughs> that's interesting you know and that's so, an interesting observation it, 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 it yeah and, and so they, why, do you, could you could you define why do you think there's a reason why i think i think um I think, a, well, I think a lot of them kind of grew out of it, you mm -hmm. know, that, you know, as you get older, it's mm -hmm. like, oh, you don't want to go to a concert and do this. Just jump around. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, and so I think, you know, we we attracted, it, it was it was a need for the HBCU students, mm -hmm. um, you know, who, who, were, who were thinkers mm -hmm. and who, uh, Christians who read jo James Baldwin mm -hmm. and Toni Morrison, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, um, you know, and so like, I think that it was just a, a, a space that, that needed to be filled yeah. of Christians who love Jesus, who, um, uh, uh, who, who love being, you know, African-American or even just a person of color in mm -hmm. general. Uh, but at the same time, seeing art that challenged them to think in a different type of way. Yeah. Um, and so I think that a lot of people, it was either two things. Some people kind of grew out of CHH mm -hmm. And it's just some people just never really rocked with it at all. They'd mm -hmm. rather just listen to us and then Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, and so, yeah, and, and I, I think it just kind of gave room for it because we were talking about homosexuality. Mm -hmm. We were talking about our testimonies of, you know, soul ties and, you know, lust and uh, racism. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about a lot of the things that the world was talking about. Uh, and the Christian rappers was doing it too, but just I think in a different a different way. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You felt you definitely get you guys definitely filled a void. Yeah, and I feel like your audiences have been able to grow up with you. Yeah, yeah. that's been cool to see for sure. Like for we sure. we just came from a marriage conference. Well, yeah. it, oh, excuse me, a live podcast, a live marriage podcast. It was the dope one too. But it was a conf to me. It felt like a conference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, this is this is amazing. Yeah, you know, shout out to, to Belief and how married are you? Like that was yeah. great. It was good. So, so to see the audience evolve, mm -hmm. to see the audience grow up yeah right there yeah. was there was no one rapping today or doing poetry yeah yeah <laughs> right and, it, and so many people was like I, I love back in the day the poetry days but i'm loving what you do with the podcast yeah. and so like it's, it's really dope to see people who used to rock with me you know with the poetry still kind of rocking with me and i'm not necessarily necessarily doing poetry as, as much anymore it's just dope it's a dope feeling how did you stumble in the format of apologetics on youtube because that was by far like Again, man, it's like getting to know you a bit. It's like you're like this onion. And there's like the outer surface of like, oh, yeah, like Preston, the poet, right? And yeah. then you peel the layers, and I'm like, this man's on YouTube debating, sharing the gospel, and then praying for people, and they're like getting emotional. And, yeah. You know? Yeah. How did you stumble across that format? So it's beautiful. You know, in my heart, when I am at the a core, in the, in the, at the core as an evangelist. Mm -hmm. And so. Um, you know, my wife, she had said some years ago, I think it was back in 2016, she was like, you should start a YouTube channel teaching people what you do because it's amazing. We'll be on date night and I see, you know, a Muslim or see some Muslims out there. And I'm like, oh, we got a couple minutes. Let me talk to them. And so she used to always talk about this ability that I had to just kind of like disarm people, mm -hmm. defensiveness mm -hmm. um, out in the streets and just kind of just being myself, just a, you know, regular cat and just mm -hmm. talking to people. But at the same time, you know, I came from that culture. I came from, you know, real street cats who gave their life to the lords and who just had a heart for the streets. Mm -hmm. And so I was kind of groomed in that. And so I wouldn't call myself a street evangelist. I just I just used to give the gospel wherever I went. Mm -hmm. And so in order to kind of teach people this side of me, this because I had this public ministry of being a poet, mm -hmm. a communicator. But Jackie was like, this private ministry that you have when we in Uber rides and you're giving the gospel to the the, the, the Uber driver that's a 
a Hebrew Israelite. Like people need to see this. And so I was like, okay, let me start a YouTube channel going out on the streets when I had the when I have the time to just have conversations with, with cats and chop it up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, that's kind of how I started. Mm. I just wanted to show people how to engage with the world around them because I think a lot of times in the church, uh, we we do a good job of teaching people how to call a spade a spade. And we do a lot of yelling from social media. But in actuality, ain't nobody never really taught us how to play cards. Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. They just, we just, we just look. Like t- social media disciple us to talk at people, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. Cr- the Christian community don't don't really know how to talk to people yeah, yeah. in a way that that's effective. And so that's the reason why I'm writing the book. That's the reason why I did Bold TV, mm. um, and I'm gonna start it back soon. Yeah. Um, the Bold TV, the Bold TV channel it might look a little different, uh, but I'm definitely gonna start having conversations with people again. Yeah. The channel. What do you? What out of all the things you've done? What? Which one would you say is the most fulfilling? I mean, you're talking about poetry, being in front of thousands of people. Mm. You've preached. You've you've now written a book. Mm. You do a podcast with your wife, mm. right? And this YouTube format where you where you're sharing the gospel in the streets with people, and it's it, it's all expressions of art and evangelism to, to yeah. certain degrees. Which one would you say you've like, man? I I really enjoyed this aspect of it. Wow, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I love, I love, I love the outside church. I mean, not the outside church, the outside world. I love giving the gospel to people who are not just in the four walls of the church. Mm. So I do that all the time mm. when I, you know, and I don't force it. I just kind of like when I'm at the barbershop and I see a, a young dude who mm. look like he's from the streets, I spark, I spark a conversation with him. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, I love that. I think that's the first thing that come to mind is that. Uh, but I also love art, mm. and I love creating things, and so mm-hmm. poetry and and, and um, exploring the beautiful possibilities of language has always uh, highly intrigued me. And so if I if I if I would have to choose one, I think uh, I'm kind of just I just got done with my book, but my book is a combination of both. Mm-hmm. It is theology uh, and art, mm-hmm. and so I was able to write creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like both. Yeah, it's, it's like like the my art my artist side and my 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 theology side is like two sides of the brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so I I love writing this book because it was an opportunity for me to express both at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I think I would have to say the book was the hardest thing I've ever did, yeah. but at the same time. I think it's going to become one of my most fulfilling things when I, when, I, when it once it's out and I'm able to talk about it, mm. you know. Um, but anything that I can do with my wife Jackie is 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 great. I yeah. love doing ministry with her. She's my best friend. Um, our podcast um, is really fun to do because we're so comfortable with one another. And uh, yeah, it's just it's the podcast. I think has been has had the most reach out of anything I've ever done. Mm. That's good. More than evangelism. Yeah. More than all of that. The podcast is interesting because people, that's your living room, right? Yeah. So so psychologically, maybe on, I don't know sure if people like feel this consciously, but on a subconscious level, people are in your living room. Yeah. And you're in their living room. Yeah. So that's a very intimate, it, it's, it's like when YouTubers shoot stuff in their bedroom and you see their bed, like that's like, you don't, Think about how many friends' rooms have you seen. Very few people's bedrooms you've yeah. gone into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when people see you in your living room with your wife, it's a very that's that's some weight to carry. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And so I think 
that's probably one of the things that makes it so intriguing. Yeah. If, if, if we have to get technical with it, it's like there's something to one, your guys' dynamics, you guys are both very interesting people. Two, your wisdom and your life experience, everything you guys are talking about is phenomenal. And then there's also this layer of like, mm. they feel like they know you. Yeah, f yeah, for sure. You for know, sure. and it's very, it's very vulnerable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, 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 um, we said a couple of weeks ago, we was like, man, maybe we've been a little bit too vulnerable. <laughs> I remember I saw one and it was like, it was something like, uh, like y you confessing corn, porn. Yeah, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It yeah. was something like that. And I was like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I could listen to this. Like, this feels very intimate. Yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and, man. And but I clicked into it, but I don't, I don't remember the pod. But I just remember, like, one, it was just good titling and everything. Yeah. But then, two, I was like, wow, this is very, very personal. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, and people, when people hit us up now, they be like, yo, how did y'all be, become this? And yeah. it's just like, I think, I think, you know, one for people who say that probably hasn't wasn't as locked in when me and Jackie's ministry first started. I mean, we met on the same day. Our poems went viral on the same day. That night, and her poem was "My Life Is My Life Is a Stud," mm -hmm. and my poem was "Soul Ties," talking mm. about all the bodies I've had mm. sexually. Mm. And her poem was talking about how she came out of homosexuality. And so, from the beginning of our ministry, we've always just been transparent people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We don't really care about what people think about us that much. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, and we just, we, we have made the decision in our life to be free. Mm -hmm. Like we're not going to be bound by nothing, you mm -hmm. know what I'm saying? And so like, you know, and, and it has its challenges. I mean, anytime you share your life publicly like that, it's always going to be people who feel like they have the, the opportunity to speak into your life more than they, yeah. they, 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 they should. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think we've kind of just grown a particular type of skin to to not let it affect us that much and yep. to not listen to it. Yep. But we God has used it. Like that pornography episode mm -hmm. I had on my podcast, I mean, so many men were set free from mm -hmm. pornography. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, so many marriages were healed. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've had brothers come up to me, you know, crying mm -hmm. after shows like, yo, thank you for, for the podcast and, uh yeah so like it's 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 been a good it's been a good thing yeah yeah uh i i want to get into some of the controversies about that kind of stuff but my my question is you said you guys both came for you having you know running your notch count up your body count her coming from being a stud were there consequences that then followed you guys in that you had to unpack later oh absolutely right because i think sometimes we, we sell people this, like, you're going to get saved and Jesus going to make everything perfect and then you just going to be healed and hold and delivered. And it's like, man, you walk around here with a high body count as a man or a woman, that's going to follow you into your marriage. You yeah. walk around here with a porn addiction, that's going to follow you into your marriage. Yeah. These, we don't get away often without just, con now, God can definitely just deliver people, right? Mm -hmm. and, and some people definitely, um, their ability to to pair bond could be restored or whatever right but the 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 data and the research has shown that like the people most sexually fulfilled in in the marriage are like evangelical christians who have the least amount of partners before getting married mm -hmm. which is crazy to think about yeah. right and 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 in the practical side cuz you have nothing to compare it to yeah, <laughs> right? right you got nothing to juxtapose it to but then it's also there's just something to living out god's ways but for people who come from pretty heavy backgrounds you know um come from porn addiction which i've dealt with or come from sexual trauma which i've dealt with right i don't think folks understand that these things do follow if you're not intentional on dealing with them 
Yeah. Before getting married. Pre- I mean, preferably before even dating and courting, right? Yeah. So can you can you speak to that a bit as as both of you guys coming in and having some pretty heavy testimonies and, and what's that been like? Yeah, no, for real. That's a really good question. I mean, you know, one, I just want to say, you know, I, I hear a lot of times people in the world who feel like Christianity is like bondage because mm-hmm. the faith doesn't allow you to live your life. Um I think they don't understand that God calling us to live in the way he has created us is really just his love and his yeah. wisdom because we were not meant to operate outside of the way he has created us. That's right. Right. And you know, the beautiful part is the world is slowly starting to catch up and acknowledge that. Yeah, bro. In I mean, terms of the data, uh, I'm not sure if you know what the whatever podcast is. It's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty big podcast, dating podcast, like okay. four or five million subscribers. Michael, uh, he's like one of these guys in the red pill space, Okay, was just talking about this and then like stopped, shouted me out and said, the only people having successful marriages and successful sex lives is evangelical Christians. Wow. <laughs> hey, shout out to Ruslan. I know he's going to clip this. That's, that's right. That's you know? And so it's like the world and the data is just now catching up and acknowledging that, 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 that what you're saying is yeah. true, that God's ways are good yeah. and they're for our best interest. And that's the reason why I feel like people be capping or not even just really capping or either just really misinformed when they say the Christian worldview is harmful, yada, yada, yada. Oppressive. It's like, no, like, oppressive. Yeah. Yep. It's like yep. no, like God, like when you read the scriptures, we see that God loves us. And, he, and, and anytime something that is created operates outside of the way it was created, it's going to, you know, it's going to be affected in some yeah. ways. And so, that's and that's, that's, that remains to be true for even Christians like us. I mean, me who had multiple sex partners and my wife who, you know, came out of a life of homosexuality. I mean, you know, we had like, like God doesn't hold our sin over us, mm-hmm. but there is a lasting effect mm-hmm. that sin can carry. Yep. yep right. And yep. this is the reason why God tells us to stray away from it. Right. Yeah. And, and this is the reason why sin has jacked everything up. Um, and so, yeah, go, go, coming into marriage, bro, like, you know, I, I had to I had to fight, you know, early on not to think about all the sex partners I had. Mm-hmm. And this is the reason why God wants us with one wife. That's right. Cause he don't want you to be thinking about Keisha's lips and <laughs> Jessica's, Jessica's hips right. and the way she used to do this and the way yeah. she used to do that. Right. Yeah. And so this is the reason why so many men in the world, they, they, they have so many sex partners, not just because they're players, it's because they're broken. Mm. Right. They need multiple people to kind of confirm who they are because they don't really know who they are. That's right. right. And That's so right. we're searching for love and affection and so many different people because we don't we don't we don't even know what it feels like for one person to kind of like help uh, you know not complete us but to help uh, us um, come together with us to fulfill the glory of God for our lives and so for me man it was it was tough you know what I'm saying not only that even the way I view women I think you know uh, having multiple sex partners in the in the world you know I unknowingly view women. Um, not not in a, not in a super disrespectful way, like mm-hmm. people like rappers in the world did, mm-hmm. but I also kind of viewed them in a way of them being a way to 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 fulfill something in me and not me really loving them. Mm. Like like how can a woman serve me in a way that will that will that will uh, mask or help wound or attempt to wound this deep insecurity in me? Yeah. And so I wrote in a poem one time. I was like, uh, you know. Um, get the line and I said something along the lines of I I, I treated women just like bodies mm. and, and not and not something precious to be held. Mm. Uh, and so God really had to just 
correct a lot of stuff early on. Um, and not only that, I was married to a woman who came out of the lifestyle who didn't like men and who saw men abuse women her mm. whole life, right? Mm. Which is one of the things that kind of drove her into homosexuality in the, in the first place. And so God was doing something deep in me, um, changing my heart, changing my mind, but also, um, you know, transforming, transforming me into the image of Christ so that I can love her in a way that will show her a picture of Christ on earth, That's right? Good. Uh, and so, like, it was difficult, yeah. her being with a man for the first time. It was me, mm. you know? And so we had our challenges, but the thing that really helped us was we were friends. Yeah. So you guys, could, you, you had that vulnerability and ability to talk. Yeah. Just, talk, just communicate. To talk, yeah. be honest. Yep. There's, a uh, lot of, there's a lot of marriages that don't have that. Yeah, man. And this is the reason why I tell people all the time, you know, like with us, we're really not supposed to be married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, straight up. Like, mm-hmm. I'm supposed to be on the south side of Chicago, so where still selling weed, probably working at Popeye's, mm-hmm. like real loser type. Mm-hmm. No, sh- no, no shade to people who work at the Popeye's, but I'm saying, like, I, I had no direction in life, yep. you know what I'm saying? And my wife, I mean, she she is not supposed to be married with, like, four kids mm-hmm. and a husband, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? That's not the bulk of her testimony. Her testimony is that Jesus saved her, but we're not supposed to be here. Yep. But what 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 made us survive and what made us grow and what what made us grow deeper in love with one another is because we were friends. Yeah. That foundation of friendship is is key. Yeah. And if you have a friend, if you have a solid friendship with a, with a, with a person and you guys both love God, yep. God can do wonders yeah. with that with that relationship. That's good. Um, you know, I think about the practical side of family, marriage, children. And I think a lot of men don't understand that after you get married, there are going to be seasons where you go without sex. Oh, absolutely. Right? And so the the most obvious one is when your wife pushes out a human. Yeah. From her... I don't think we understand. Like, sheep is pushing... You know, if you've never seen a child be born and you're a single dude, you don't understand what that does like first of all the the miracle of it is nuts yeah even a, even a woman watching a woman like watching a, a child or life develop yes. inside of them yes it's crazy the toll it takes on the body yes. and just the mental and the yes. emotions it's yes. crazy and so as i always tell guys y'all gotta be y'all gotta like she's not trying to give you hand jobs and oral after she pushes out a human like yeah. you're gonna have to be patient right eight 12 weeks maybe longer yeah you know and and, and no one prepared me for that with my first kid. Yeah. No one sat me down. Because people, you know, we started doing this thing where we started sitting down brothers before they got married and just giving them the real about, like, your wedding night. Especially if you that's, were dating That's them, actually uh, really good. Uh, I yeah. talk about this all the time. Yeah. That's so good. If you were dating a, a virgin or someone that wasn't so, super promiscuous and you were or you were looking at porn, we would sit brothers down and be like, look, man, you got to be very delicate. Like, it's probably going to hurt her. It's probably, you know what I mean? And just really trying to brace people for like what's about to happen on your wedding night because so you got good. this. But no one, so we, we were doing that as a crew, but no one was sitting each other down and being like, look, man, after your wife pushes out your baby, like ain't nothing going down for eight to 10 weeks. <laughs> you need to be prepared. And I think if more men knew that, they would be more diligent on killing their sin. Yeah. They would be more locked into like, I got to get this worked out. Because I thought I was just going to get married and just have infinite amounts of sex but see, and it was is, all going to get see, fixed. See, this is the reason. That, but the reason why is I think the culture tells us that. Mm. The culture tells us that women are um, 
our our I'll I'll wait for us to get our fix. Mm. But also, if you're a real man, a woman should always desire you, mm. right? And so I think this is the reason why you know I started a series in my apartment a um, long time ago called War on Lust, and the married men that came um, to my War on Lust meetings struggled with porn almost mm. more than the single man. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why is that? It's because I think the church doesn't do a good job of letting us know that when you get when you have when you when you get married your wife is not always going to be available for you but mm. what does the culture teach us mm-hmm. the culture teaches us that you know that if you are real man that a woman should always want you yep. and so this is the reason why we run the porn right mm-hmm. it's because we can vicariously live through men who are not being rejected mm. that's deep right yeah that's right. deep wow we don't we don't we yeah. don't you know, we and so, and, and and this is the reason why we have to understand that pornography is not just some lust fix, but it is a deep emotional fix. Even if you haven't realized it yet, right, 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 it is right. it is it is a deep desire to be to be wanted mm-hmm. and longed for, mm-hmm. right? And so, the problem with pornography is just a it's just a perverted version mm-hmm. of intimacy mm-hmm. and longing, right? right, right. Uh, and it's not it's not rooted in like it's not real. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right, and so, right. like, yeah, like. For me, I, I had to identify that in myself. Was like the reason why I ran to porn is because I I wasn't prepared to deal with rejection. Mm. Not only that, like it's more than just a woman being pregnant or a woman developing, you know, a body, a, a baby in her body, and all of that. It's sometimes you might uh, marry a woman who have went through sexual trauma, mm-hmm. and she might be okay for the first three years. Mm-hmm. But it's a real thing called triggers. Mm. And something might trigger her one day where she's not going to be as sexually active, you know. Our bodies change, Mm -hmm. right? And so, like, the church has to do a better job of teaching men that when you get married, you're not going to just come into marriage smashing your wife every every day. It's just not realistic. Uh, And the Bible even talks about, you know, abstaining from sex for a season. Mm -hmm. You know, when it's agreed upon by both. When it's agreed upon. When it's agreed upon. (laughs) You know, like, I, I wouldn't recommend any woman who, like, I'm just not giving you, you know what I'm saying? Right. Because the Bible says don't even do it too long right. unless you give the devil a foothold, right. right? Right. And so you don't want your husband to start, you know, believing lies about mm-hmm. you and how you love him, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? But at the same time, it's like, no, even if we have to, like, we've done that in mm-hmm. our marriage. We say, okay, let's not have sex for a season, mm-hmm. but we're working towards intimacy in other ways. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we do come together, it is not a duty for you mm. or payday for me, mm. right? But it is it's, it's intimacy, and so yeah. I think it's healthy. Yeah, yeah. I think there's this tension of there's a lot of men in sexless marriages, but then there's a lot of men who don't know how to be sexless and mm. not defined by it. Yeah, and and the reality of the need for intimacy for both parties yeah right and 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 genuinely wanting to serve each other yeah that's what it should be right so i think it's this this interesting tension that that we're wrestling with and people are talking past each other and and the reality is you can read all the books you can go to all the conferences some of it is going to take work Uh it's going to take work it's going to be take you being in community with people that can speak into you and, and the consistency of that and i think i think you're right i don't think we properly equip men for, for yeah. the realities of that. Facts. What do you make of all of the kind of red pill sensations that we've seen in the last, I would say, what, three, four years we've been seeing it? I know you and Ezekiel are doing a, have been doing a tour talking about yeah. some of these issues. Uh, you guys did a really good podcast, by the way, that um, uh, I, I listened to and 
we've been talking about this stuff for a while on, on the channel in terms of, you know, it kind of first exploded with the Kevin Samuels, mm-hmm. you know, and then you saw the Fresh and Fits, and then you see, now it's the Andrew Tates, and it's it's like this whole com- community of folks that are saying some of these half-truths, but like with very wrong conclusions and prescriptions. Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. I think a lot of times people grab these half-truths and they identify with the truth in it, and then they run with it and don't really realize how far from God's design Mm -hmm. that a lot of these ideologies are. Yeah. Right? And I think, uh, when I think about the red pill community, um, it's hard for me to think about them and not to think about Hebrew Israelism Mm. in the sense that um, if you go to the African-American community and, and, talk to young black boys who just converted to Hebrew Israelism. Mm-hmm. They did so because the Hebrew Israelites came and they filled a deep longing and a need and a void mm. for African-American men, right? They, they felt like they wasn't heard. Um, they were wounded by America. And I saw, I think the Red Pill community um, were able, was able to be successful is because they capitalized off the, off the wounds. Mm-hmm. The and real, the real wounds, the real wounds. Yeah. Yeah. So these are, so it isn't. It isn't. It isn't that the red pill, commu- the red pill community isn't feeling a need mm-hmm. or feeling a void. This is the reason why some people are so defensive when mm-hmm. they when you talk about them. Mm-hmm. They're feeling a need. They're just not. They're just not giving true biblical solutions. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like Pac, mm-hmm. Tupac. Mm-hmm. I love Tupac because he highlighted a lot of things, but uh, and then he was misinformed on a lot of things. And he was well art- articulated, mm-hmm. I think, but he never gave solutions, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he even said himself, "I don't, I, I don't know the way. Mm-hmm. I'm just trying to point somebody uh, a highlighted issue, and, and so somebody who do know the way can pick it up and carry it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I think with the Red Pill community, there have there have been a lot of men who have been wounded by women. Mm-hmm. There have been a lot of men who have experienced rejection, experienced heartache, or whatever." And uh, I don't. I think the church has done a poor job of really um, sitting with these men mm-hmm. and who've been divorced. I mean, mm-hmm. a lot of times the woman uh, is is consoled in mm-hmm. some of these spaces, or um, they feel like the church is curated for women and not men. Mm-hmm. And so, you know. But I also think that the space can can be a little problematic because I think what their their view of headship is 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 wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot of men look at headship and automatically think dominance mm-hmm. or control. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's just that's just not how Jesus came mm-hmm. to lead his church. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think they've done a really good job of catering to the to to wounded men, mm-hmm. but not giving them truth in a way that I think pleases God and allows men and women to really see one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for that reason, I've just seen so many arguments on social media and men miss one another. And one of the things that, you know, hurt me the most is, you know, I'm an, I'm an apologist. I love to, you know, reaching out to other religions. And I'll be following, like, social media accounts just to see what other religions are talking mm-hmm. about. And it was this wave of Hebrew Israelite women and mm-hmm. men on YouTube and Instagram talking about how the Christian faith isn't the true faith mm-hmm. because of how men and women treat each other, how mm-hmm. the women are not submissive mm-hmm. to to their husbands mm-hmm. and yada 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 and husbands don't respect their wives and this is the reason why we should walk away from the christian faith and i think uh, a lot of the red pill community has crept into the church um 
and we have to understand that this is this is a gospel issue. Mm-hmm. The Bible says that the way the world will know us is by the love that we have for one another. And so I think when you train and when you disciple men to 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 with this with this egotistical domineering mm-hmm. um almost kind of like hostility for women mm-hmm. you don't teach the world who's watching us mm. that the gospel is the true faith mm. you just don't mm. and so I, I i just will warn people i mean the world is going to be the world i'm going to expect the world to be the world i'm mm-hmm. going to try to reach people in the world but f- particularly for the church i will just warn men in the church to make sure they're not attracted to something because it's it's rubbing your wounds mm-hmm. but not giving you life mm. that's good that's good what are some aspects or pillars that you hear from the Red Pill community that you would say, oh, I, I agree with some of that? Like, I think some of this is actually valid critique, whether it's of the church or whether uh, that's of male-female dynamics. I think, you know, the thing about the thing about catering to the wounds of people, mm-hmm. but not like really giving them like true life yeah. is in order for you to do that, you kind of have to like blurt out a, like a lot of um stuff mm-hmm. that's not necessarily false mm-hmm. but they're just generalizations of mm-hmm. does that make sense yeah, yeah. Hasty, women, hasty generalization fallacy yeah women do this because of that this is mm-hmm. like okay there are three there are billions <laughs> of women on the earth yeah what woman are you talking about yeah are you talking about all the women that you dealt with right, right, <laughs> you know what i'm right, saying right, right. like who are you surround like and so for me like even being a thinker like i would i would if I, I was like, if I was on these shows, I would ask so many questions before I even entertain a conversation. Yeah. Who are you surrounding yourself around? What type of women are you attracted to? Why are you attracted to them? Right. What, you know, and, and, and so I think that, you know, we generalize women and we generalize men in ways that we shouldn't, first of all, mm-hmm. because men are way more nuanced and complex individuals than we give credit for. Mm-hmm. And I think the same goes for, for women. Mm-hmm. And so some things that they say, are true. W- women in, in, in America don't know how to be respectful. That's the reason why we need to go overseas. It's like, okay, a lot of women over there are, op- are oppressed. They, mm-hmm. don't, they don't have a choice to leave. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why the divorce rate is not, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, like, it's not even, like, a lot of the things that, that, that's, that's said, I don't, I don't think it's given with, like, deep thought mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at times. But it, it's, it's truth in it. Mm-hmm. I just don't think that it's dissected. Mm-hmm. In a way that it that it can be to give proper perspective. Gotcha. In a lot of ways, and so yeah, it's women. Some women in, in a lot of women in America are disrespectful. Yeah, the divorce rate is high. Yeah, women are a lot of women are materialistic. Uh, so are men. Yeah. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Um, and so I don't know. Yeah, I think what I I always see it as is is um, hasty generalization. Yes. Fallacy and selection bias. Yes. You're dealing with a very specific type of woman. Yeah. And not all women are like that. Yeah. Right. And so I then listen to the women and then the women are like, I'm the 28, 29, 30, 30 year old virgin looking to submit to a man. Mm-hmm. Where are they? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then I talk to the men and they're just like, well, these women don't know this. And it's like, well, wait a minute. I got these women over here. Who are saying that the men are messed up, and then I got the men over here saying the women are messed up. It sounds like y'all are just talking past each other. You, you, and you wanna you you wanna know what I think, bro? I think social media has jacked us up. Mm. Because I think 
I think a lot of the men who are just so irritated by a particular type of woman, mm -hmm. they're they they're never talking about the the modest woman that they never notice. They're always talking about the 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 woman that that Instagram and social mm -hmm. media and society kind of puts on the plate pedestal mm -hmm. right a lot of these women kind of be out of their league anyways right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and vice versa and, and so like you 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 generalize all women and you and and, and you really kind of wound or even offend a lot of women who are made in the image of god because you went for a particular type of woman that rejected you consistently mm -hmm. when that's just not the overall mm -hmm. you know heart of mm -hmm. women out there right. and so like they're there they yes there are women out there who are materialistic, who are money hungry, who are um, d gold diggers and all of that. But it's like, no, social media presents a particular type of woman and you're attracted to that. Mm -hmm. You're like your, your heart wants what the world has offered. Mm -hmm. And then when you try to go for it and you don't like it, it's like you it's like, no, it's so many women that I'm a, that I know personally. They'd be like, what? But they, nobody talks to them, right. right? Because That's they, right. you know, they ain't on social media showing their, you know, mm -hmm. body. You know what I mean? And by the way, not everybody is even on social media, right? There's a I, lot of women not on social absolutely. media, absolutely. <laughs> and so, like, we just make these broad generalizations. It was like, right, like, you know. And so, like, I, I and I, and I think the vice, I think vice versa. I think, you know, women, you know, uh, social media. These men get on social media and like, I'm, I'm a high class man, and I make six figures, and I'm six feet five, and I got a degree and I work out and it's just kind of like, okay, you know, and then your standards become high. And then mm -hmm. when, when, you, when you want that and your heart is broken because you're not finding it, yeah. you're ignoring the God that you can really be building a friendship in your local community because you want like social media has trained us all to kind of want this false version mm -hmm. of what's, what's real. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, you know, I, I'm a big believer that we, we should get off social media and really, Go into a local community, local go, go church. Outside. Go outside. <laughs> treat this like 1995. Put your yeah. cell phones away. Yeah. Have conversations. Really get to know somebody. Yeah. Um, and stop coming into like social media has trained us to to expect something. Yeah. Instead of really trying to get to know people. What would you say to the critique that goes, modern feminism has influenced the church in a negative way? It caters primarily to women. Mm -hmm. It's ran primarily by women. Yeah. And it is not appealing to men. Yeah. And this has now influenced the way many women who are Christians in the church see themselves and see what they're looking for. You want to know what I think? And I could be wrong. This is just what I think. Uh, I've kind of did my research on this a little bit, but um, in the 1990s, even where men were in churches more, mm -hmm. Um, the church started to realize that even when men came to churches more, women were the highest consumers. Mm. Christian literature, Christian mm. books, mm. everything. Mm -hmm. And so I think consumerism, mm. um, I think, you know, plays a big part mm. in in how we cater to women mm -hmm. more. Mm -hmm. um, women buy, statistically, yeah. women will buy a Bible study quick. Yep. Statistically, Women will go to a worship night, quit, yep. and so you want to do conferences at your church, and so mm -hmm. women just—they're just such high consumers mm -hmm. of, of you know, and men, we just want to feel useful, mm -hmm. right? We mm -hmm. just want to feel needed, mm -hmm. um, and so. But the thing is, when you have churches that only praise men who have communication skills, mm. 
Yeah. Right. And then you're catering to women because, you know, they, they have a lot of buy in power. Mm-hmm. I think men kind of like lose their way in churches. And this is like, uh, what am I here for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I think um, I think because of that, I think, you know, um, uh, I think a lot of men have found the church unattractive. Mm. But I also think that, you know, it just goes to discipleship. Like I, I think that if we started to disciple men mm-hmm. um, and raising, not raising, but it, encouraging the older men to pour into the younger men, I think that we'll see a lot of more men come into the church. Yeah. It really should be that simple. Yeah. But it's not. <laughs> it's not. And it's it's a bummer because I feel like discipleship changed my life, man. Like yeah. it really, I mean, on, on every measurable facet in terms of who I became as a husband to who I became as a provider to like all of it, like going in. The reason why I started working on my mental health is because my church had a program called men's skills. And it was about, it was like a, it was like a mixture of like group therapy and Bible study and going through like a curriculum about psychology and like understanding feedback loops and triggers and all this. Like that for me started in, 2015, 2016 in my local church. Like I would wow. have never gotten a therapist had my church not done that for me. Wow. That's so dope. it really is that simple, you yeah. know? And I think that the tricky part is when there are the practical, because I think what you're saying is most of this stuff is is, is more practical, right? Mm-hmm. Like most of this stuff is not, it's not a conspiracy. Yeah. It just is what it is. Yeah. Right? Like there are women are greater consumers they make i want to say like 80 percent of the spending decisions in a household is usually made by the woman yeah right so like that is what it is right and so it's like um it's like people having a gripe with capitalism and i'm like man capitalism is what it is like wealth is going to travel to the top Mm -hmm. and yes that disparity of wealth traveling to the top sucks yeah but that's always it is what it is like you so so it's like trying to be mad about almost these natural orders of how things just kind of play out mm-hmm. instead of being aligned with the solution yeah. for what should be happening. For sure, for sure. And also, too, I think that if if um, churches would just become more Bible-focused, mm. yeah. too, they'll see that being grown. Men just want to learn the Word. Like, you know, like my like my following, I was like, what a, what a man, I'm out here doing these poems, mm-hmm. and I'm out here writing these dope vlogs mm-hmm. and you know i got a i got a decent men following but mm-hmm. when i started to my apologetics youtube channel mm-hmm. my like my my male following and my woman following kind of start to match mm-hmm. i'm like whoa this mm-hmm. is crazy yeah. well youtube tends to be a more male centered audience yeah. in general like there's just more men on youtube but even on but even my poetry mm-hmm. it was mostly women mm, okay so huge woman following huh. but when i just started to teach theology and teach the word mm-hmm. You know, uh, men don't want to do like devotionals and write write in the journals. They want to they want to learn theology. They want to mm-hmm. learn. I don't think the church understands how much we have adopted the the world's ways. Mm. You know, that's what politicians do with one another. Yeah, is is such and such really conservative? Right. They were they were they were seen with such and such on July yes second nineteen ninety two. Yeah, they've coined that the uh, the. 
death purity spiral. Something isn't perfect. It can't be good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, and then, and then uh, the last thing they say is a, is a, is a, like a pitch for them. Vote for such and yeah, such, yeah, yeah, yeah. not them. And it's yeah. kind of like, and so we've done it. You know, what I'm saying like we've been in pitches with people, especially with people with you know names or whatever. And they they might not have the same political views, and so people literally made all our views theirs. So they mm-hmm. seen us in a picture. Yeah, and it's kind of like, bruh, like. Yeah. To be fair though. I've avoided going to events because I might end up in a picture with somebody. But why? Why though? Because uh, I don't need no pictures of me and Candace Owens floating around right now. Oh, okay. You know but, what I mean? But like, see, like, like I've, I've I've intentionally done that because like until I can sit down with her and we can have a real conversation. Yeah. I'm not gonna be caught up in a photo with her or Brandon Tatum or like some of the like the, like the black conservative space. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just I'm cool. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but my 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 thing is it's like I think it's problematic that we make people. That we make people things, of, you know, or make people, like, give people positions based on who we see them in the pictures with. Yes. Like, it's just like, come on, yes. like, we have to do a better job. We struggle. It's, it's all or nothing thinking. We struggle with yeah, that. And it's yeah. kind of like, come on, guys. Yeah. Think a little deeper than that. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, I, I remember when, not, not even to get off the whole po- politics thing, but even Jackie, my wife Jackie, she was seeing, um, she was at some conference. I forget what it was. Um, with like I think it was like Bethel or Hillsong mm-hmm. or I forget one of them, and um, the Reform Circle just went in. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. oh you're not one of us, yeah. and it's yeah. like it's it's like this deep tribalism. Oh yeah, culture that we that we live in. Nobody. She was at a conference, <laughs> right, and she took a picture with them. Yeah, and it was so many people on YouTube who's basically started to say that she was a false teacher because she's seen a Jackie Hill Perry associates with false teachers. Jackie Hill Perry is seen with, you know, her, this being her friend. And it's just like, you know what they didn't ask? What did Jackie Hill Perry teach when she was at this conference? Yeah, that's good. That's, and that's, you know, (laughs) because, 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 listen, because it's not about the gospel. We try to act like it's about the gospel but we act like politician Christians more than real Christians. That's good. That's we, good. We try to act like it's really about the gospel. Yes. Nobody cared about, nobody, I, I saw not one comment. I saw not one YouTuber asking, what did she teach? Yep. yep. Did her message change? Yes. yes. No, nobody cared about that. Right. right. They just cared about who she was in a picture with. That's right. That's and right. It's like, is this seventh grade yeah. or is this the body of Christ? Yeah. And it just shows you how much we have been conditioned by the world, mm-hmm. and we just put the we put the Bible stamp on it, mm-hmm. and we think that we're being faithful Christians. It's mm-hmm. like no, you're actually being Pharisees who don't ask That's right. questions. That's right. Check this out. Same exact thing. Ruslan defends associating with Joel Olstein, Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson's Bethel. So the same exact thing happened to me. And there's a whole article about uh, bro because I did an event, a virtual event, mind you, a 30 day, 31 day wisdom challenge. And every day they'd have somebody else on that they were interviewing. Yeah. And so they had me on a day and like a week before they had Joel Osteen on. And so the, the packaging was literally Ruslan partners with Joel Osteen. Oh my God. Like Joel Osteen has no idea who Ruslan is. Bro. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's so, and, and you know what? I think I think it's lazy thinking. Yes. And I also think it's just slander. Right. It's just people do not care about it is it is a it's it's love like it's a very loveless thing. You have so, quote-unquote Christians out there who don't love people well. Yeah, yeah. And it's very obvious on how loosely you can make a whole YouTube video mm-hmm. just because you've seen somebody in a picture with yeah. somebody. Well, uh, and, and to your point, what was the message? 
Because a lot of them folks that were there for Bethel or whoever, yeah. right, probably needed to hear from Jackie. The folks that were there for Bill Johnson and Joel Osteen needed my talk and my perspective on Proverbs and wisdom yeah. and, and speaking against some of the stuff they, they talk about. And these people, the same people who say this about you, say this about Jack, say this about me, they don't know the, a lot of them, I won't say all of them, but a lot of them don't know the the half about what it what, what it means to be evangelistic. Yeah. They don't, they don't, like, they can never go into spaces because their idea of of being a faithful Christian is calling out non-faithful Christians. That's right. And it's like it, when you center a ministry around calling people out. Yep. It's like, how much of a ministry do you really have? Yeah. A lot of these yeah. pages I'll never see present the gospel. Yeah. It's like, okay, you've done a good job of tell, telling people what you think the gospel isn't, who's not. But it's like, when are you going to make Correct. a proclamation of the gospel? 100%. 100%. It's just like, come on, man. I'm a big fan. This is the reason why I started Bold TV, talking to people. I'm a big fan of, I never treat people. When I meet a Jehovah's Witness, I don't. I never treat the Jehovah's Witness like they're Jehovah, like they're a part of this group and I'm looking at the, the mm-hmm. lens of Jehovah's Witness. I see them as a person mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. But their own individual story, I never assume that yeah. they believe what the last Jehovah's Witness believe. Yeah. And so when I meet a white person, I do the same thing. Yeah. When I meet a black person, I do the same yeah. thing. I, I think Jesus came and modeled that, no, I care about individuals. Yep. I don't want people in with right. a group of people, even if they came from that group of people, right? right? right. right. And so I, I just think that we have to do a better job of listening to people and hearing stories, and we will learn a lot more, yeah. and we will talk a lot less. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, Man, I think I think I think hopefully this this will be helpful. We'll see how people react to this conversation. <laughs> you know, you always want to get people. Here. I think it would be helpful. And you know what? You know what? You know one thing I I I, I realized, and I think God kind of told me a couple years ago. Mm. It's going to be people in the comment section, and I and I'm and I'm not I'm not afraid to say this. It's probably going to be, going to be people in the comment section who disagree, and some people legitimately disagree. But some people who are going to disagree in this comment section are fake mad. Mm. Mm. They're mm. not, like a lot of times we, we 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 get moved and rattled by the majority of the people, but it's just like, it's a, it's a person who's going to watch this and you're really just bored in your room and you just want to make a negative comment to entertain yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not really mad, mm. not really moved. Mm-hmm. It's just Tuesday <laughs> and you have nothing, you have mm-hmm. nothing to do. Yeah, it's selective outrage. It's a selective yeah. outrage. And so for me, I, I, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do ministry. I'm gonna try to be a thought leader the best I can in that because I'm a fallen human being. I'm gonna make mistakes, but I'm never gonna like. As long as I, 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 I feel like I'm true to the Lord, true to my family, true mm-hmm. to myself, and I try to stick to to Scripture. I'm never gonna like kick myself when I see people mad on the internet because mm-hmm. a lot of it is selective outrage. A lot of it is people not really mad for real. Yeah. And some people are really mad for real. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You have to pray about that. You have to pray that God keeps you away from error. Admit and be humble when you're wrong. Yeah. But at the end of the day, we're human beings having yeah. a conversation. And so yeah. I wouldn't sweat it. All so. right, guys, we're going to go over to our Patreon exclusive. I got a couple more questions for per- uh, Preston Perry, specifically uh, when Roe v. Wade got overturned and some of the backlash that he caught uh, or didn't catch. I'm going to talk about that. So. Hey, if you want to see the extended version of this podcast completely unedited, consider partnering with us 
in our online community for as little as $5 a month. In exchange, you get access to these podcasts as we stream them live before anyone else gets to see them. You get access to the replay of our daily after-party streams, access to our private Discord server, access to discount codes, and so much more. So help us continue conceptualizing the gospel through media, podcasting, and YouTube, and partner with us for as little as $5 a month. Also, be sure to follow us on the Spotify podcast app, on Facebook, and on Instagram. We're constantly posting content there that I think you'll find extremely valuable. All right? I'll see you over there. Peace.